0: The following message, entitled, Seven Responsibilities for Responding to Enemies, Part 38 of the series, A Righteousness from God, was given by Bob Mundorf on the 22nd of February, 2015. To learn more about our church, please visit sgcindianapa.org. Skinny jeans, Joe? Really? Really? I wouldn't, know. Not skinny jeans. Maybe blue jeans and a flannel shirt, but not skinny jeans. I can't see you. Um, That's probably good. If you missed the announcement this morning, our lights aren't working this morning, so that's why we're going with this coffee shop kind of atmosphere. I feel like I need a pipe and a cup of coffee, and we can just have a conversation. But rather preach God's Word to you this morning from Romans chapter 12. So, uh, if I haven't met you, my name's Bob and I'm one of the pastors here. It's good to see everyone. Let's uh, get into God's Word. Please turn to Romans chapter 12. And we're continuing through our series in the book of Romans, going through verse by verse, chapter by chapter. And we come to a place today where we're going to See how God wants us to respond to our enemies. So we'll be in in Romans chapter 12 beginning with verse 14. And what I want you to do, I'd like everyone to just think of a time in your life when you were mistreated. Think of a time when somebody maybe was out to get you or somebody had falsely accused you. Somebody treated you unjustly in some way. So think of that time, think of that person. Today we're going to see how God wants us to respond when we experience these things. So that's the question that our passage is going to answer today. And I want to kind of set the stage with a little story. I'd like you to imagine a truck driver who's traveling down some distant highway in the wee hours of the morning, it's probably three, four o'clock in the morning. He's tired. He's been working all day and half the night, and he sees a truck stop up ahead. So he pulls into this truck stop, and uh, he refuels. He goes over his truck. He has quite a few more miles to go, but he thinks I'm going to stop into this diner here at the truck stop, and I'm going to get a warm breakfast, cup of hot coffee. And just kind of relax and refresh for a few minutes before I get back on the road. So he wobbles over to the diner. He goes in. He sits down. Waitress comes up. He orders his food, his breakfast. And he's, he's feeling good. And just about then, behind him in the back of the diner, he hears these rowdy voices. And he looks back and there's three guys back there. They're They're rough dudes. They're maybe like hell's angels or something. And they see him looking at them. And they get up and they come up to him. And they take his tray off of the the bar in front of him, off of the table. And the one guy just dumps his food all over the floor. And the other guy picks up his coffee and chugs it down and laughs at him. The third guy's behind him just hurling insults at him. So what does this guy do? Well, he just quietly gets up, walks over to the waitress, and pays his bill, and he walks out. And the waitress is just in awe, and she walks over to the window, and she's looking out the window, watching this guy, and the, the tough guys in the, in the back, they yell over to her, boy, he wasn't much of a man, was he? And she's looking out the window, and she says, well... I don't know about that, but he's definitely not much of a driver. He just ran over three motorcycles. (laughs) Now, I like that story, too. There's something in us that finds some satisfaction in that. It's, It's kind of gratifying to see the bad guys get what's coming to them. And the good guys get revenge. But... According to our passage today, according to what the Lord taught in Matthew 5, we need to maybe adjust our, our attitudes a little bit when it comes to getting even with people or taking vengeance on people. So the title of our message today, based on this passage, is Seven Responsibilities for Responding to Our Enemies. And this will be part one of a two-part um, series going through this passage seven responsibilities for responding to enemies part one we'll look at the first five today and then we'll look at the the last three verses and the last two next week so let's read it and we're going to read romans chapter 12 verse 14 and then we're going to jump to 17 through 21 and, and I, just as a note, a side note, we, we aren't skipping verses 15 and 16. Uh, we'll get to those in a couple weeks. We're going to treat them separately. But these, these verses group together nicely for a message on how to respond to our enemies. And you'll see that as we read them. So Romans 12, 14 and then 17 through 21 it says this. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Repay no one evil for evil, but give forethought to what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Let's pray and ask God to help us understand His Word. Father, thank You, Lord, for Your Word that really at times cuts against our natural fleshly grain. Help us, Lord, help us to have ears to hear, help us to have hearts to receive the hard things that you say in our words, that we might, in your word, that we might lay down our lives for you and take up our cross and deny ourselves. Give us the strength to both receive these difficult words and to carry them out. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, seven responsibilities for responding to enemies. Number one comes from verse 14, bless them, bless them. It says, Bless those who persecute you. Who persecute you. First of all, I want to start by just defining what, what is persecution? What does this word persecute mean? What does it mean to be persecuted? See, when we hear this word, it's, it's sort of a Christianese term. Automatically, our mind goes to uh, a very specific kind of persecution. And it is the kind of persecution spoken of most frequently in the Bible. It's the kind that Jesus mentioned in Matthew chapter 5, verse 11, when he said, Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. See, Jesus uses the preposition on my account to describe a specific kind of persecution that we're very blessed when we receive this. So when you're persecuted for your faith in Jesus Christ, God says that that's a blessing. But in our passage in Romans chapter 12, verse 14, He doesn't say on my account. He just says when you're persecuted. The word persecuted means to be harassed or when somebody is pursuing you in a hostile way. It's not qualified here... That it's because of your faith. It definitely includes that. But this in this verse, Romans 12, 14, it just says, Bless those who persecute you. So we don't want to read into something that's not there or isolate it into too narrow of a meaning. Yes, we're definitely to bless those who persecute us for our faith. But this is just any time that we are pursued with hostility by someone. When we are harassed. This, The motive or the level or degree of persecution isn't specified. So the Lord wants us to think about any time when somebody treated us this way. Any time when someone maybe falsely accused you like you thought of at the beginning or treated you unjustly or stole from you or said an unkind word to you. I think the Lord wants us to look at the broad meaning of persecution and he wants us to bless those who, who do those things to us. So yes, definitely it's when we're persecuted for our faith, but anytime we're, we're persecuted in the true sense, the general sense of this word, that someone comes against you, you aggressively. Could be someone who ripped you off. Could be someone who said something mean about you or to you. We're to respond with blessing. So, what does it mean to bless? I mean, we need to know how to do this, right? If the Lord's telling us, okay, when this happens, this is how you respond. You bless them. What does it mean to bless? Well, biblically, the general sense of this word, to bless, means to speak or wish well towards someone. Just simply to speak or wish well towards someone. I mean, this this isn't qualified. So this could be when you're, if you're a kid, when your sibling does something that annoys you, the response is to bless or to bless them by speaking or wishing well of them. When, and this is going to be this is going to be hard to hear, but when the ISIS terrorist threatens to behead you for your faith in Jesus Christ, we're to bless to speak or wish well of him. Now this doesn't mean that we don't hope for justice. And I I do hope that there is justice toward them. But this is what we're called to do. See, in the context of when this was written in Rome, the ISIS terrorists who behead someone, that was going on all the time. In Rome, the Christians were being persecuted in that same way for their faith. And Paul wrote this to them. And so they were thinking of being persecuted for their faith. I just don't want us to isolate it to that. This is any time we're being persecuted, whether it's that or just someone who's kind of out to get you at work. It's somebody who has it in for you. It's all included, and we're to respond the same way, no matter what the persecution is. 1 Peter 3.9 tells us, that this is what we're called to as Christians. It says, Do not repay evil for evil, or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. And look at this. For to this you were called, that you may obtain a blessing. This is a, this is a supernatural calling. This is what the Lord did, and what He calls us to do. We're called to bless those who... Persecute us. Now, I know that it isn't always easy. And, you know, you're probably thinking, many of you are probably thinking right now, of somebody who who persecutes you and you don't have anything kind to say toward them. You can't think of something to uh, say kindly or a way to wish them well or say something, speak well of them. So what do we do when that's the case? Well, the Lord told us, we wish them well by praying for them. So here's what this could look like. You could say, you could just pray for them and say, Lord, I I don't know what you're allowing, why you're allowing this person to treat me like this. I'm not going to wish evil on them, because that's the second half of this verse. I'm not to curse them. But, I pray for them. You can pray for them that they would see their sin, and that they would repent, and that they would know the Lord, and that they would, if they're a believer who does this to you, and that's possible, have fellowship with the Lord, and become right spiritually. Those would be blessings. That would be something that you're wishing toward them, and you're doing it in the form of a prayer. So, this is hard to hear. This is not something that comes naturally. But doing this, this is what the Lord meant when He said that to follow Him, We have to deny ourselves what we want to do in our flesh. Pick up our cross and follow Him. We have to walk in the example that He gave us when He was faced with picking up His cross in the Garden of Gethsemane and He said, Lord, Father, if if it be Your will, take this cup from me. He, He didn't want to, in His humanity, follow through with this. But then he said, but not my will, but yours be done. And he did something that was uncomfortable for him in his flesh by picking up the cross and carrying it to eventually be crucified and die. That's what we have to do many times when we carry this command out because it doesn't come naturally. We have to pick up our cross, deny ourselves, and follow the Lord's example in doing something that's very uncomfortable for us. Not easy, but we're called to it as Peter told us. Here's a small example. This is, this is a small example of blessing someone who, in a, in a minor way, persecuted, but nevertheless persecuted um, my wife Jane and I. One time, we had a, a few years ago, we had a businessman rip us off for about $3,000. And um, the bill should have been about a fourth of that. And, it, I mean, it was, he truly ripped us off. And I went to him, and I, I pled with him to, you know, lower the bill. And he wouldn't, he wouldn't budge. Now, this guy was known in the community, is known in the community as a Christian businessman. And so, based on 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and some of the Lord's teaching in the Gospels, I, I wouldn't take him to court because we're told not to do that with our brothers and sisters, but Jane and I prayed about this, we prayed for wisdom, we we looked into the scriptures, we read this passage, we read other passages, and we decided, okay, this is in the lord 's hands we 're going to leave justice to him, and we 're going to pay the guy and we 're not only going to pay the guy the full amount, but we 're going to put a, a note in there, blessing him it was it was this was just before Christmas when this happened, so this put a Put a real hurting on us. But we put a note in there wishing him a Merry Christmas and, him and his family. Put a Bible verse in there. Um, it wasn't like repent, but it was a Christmas Bible verse. Um, we really tried to bless him. And it, it's minor, but that's, that's what this is calling us to do. And he did call me, and he didn't lower my bill, but he was extremely thankful, and it seemed that he was convicted. This is what we're called to do. The Lord takes justice on people that rip us off. And we're going to see that next week. It's not our place to do that. We're to leave it in His hands. We're to do this, to bless and not curse. The other side of verse 14 brings us the second of these responsibilities, and that is, do not curse them. 14, bless those who persecute you, bless, and do not curse. Now, oh, I wanted to curse this guy. I, I wanted to light him up with curses and more. But I'm not allowed to do that. The Lord doesn't allow me to do that according to this passage. And so we have this simple command, do not curse. So we, we define what it means to bless. It was to speak or wish well toward someone. Now, cursing is just the opposite. Cursing is to speak or wish evil toward someone. I could have spoken evil toward this guy. And I, I, you know what? I probably did at home to my wife at first before we really uh, thought about this and prayed about it. But we're not allowed to do that. Think about when you're persecuted in the way we defined it. So husbands and wives, your spouse mistreats you in some way. We are not allowed to. To respond by speaking evil or wishing evil toward them. Kids, your brother, your sister mistreats you, annoys you, harasses you, is just totally annoying to you. You're not allowed to curse your brother and sister. Rather, you're to bless them when they do that. Um, it could be anything. You were mistreated at work. This is a common one. You know, your boss has it out for you mistreats you, maybe a business partner, maybe a coworker, and we want to maybe speak evil about them to our friends so that our friends think badly about them. That's cursing and it's also called slander in the Bible. It, we're doing it so that people will think negatively about this person. We're not allowed to do that or to bless them and not curse them. We're not supposed to get on Facebook and vent our frustrations and just bash this person. I mean, this cursing can be oral or it can be written. We're not to curse. So the bottom line is we bless our persecutors. We don't curse them. We're not allowed to do it. And this is denying ourselves. This is the cross bearing the Lord called us to when he said, if you want to follow me, this is what you do. So I want us all to be followers of Jesus. And to be a follower of Jesus, we need to take up our cross and deny ourselves. Here's here's a helpful key in just being able to do this. It's, It's remembering who you are in Christ. It's considering and remembering who you are as a new creation who believed in Jesus and became born again. And Jesus' half brother, earthly brother James, he had this in mind when he said in James chapter 3, verses 7 through 12, he said this For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature, can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With it, we, here's our word, bless our Lord and Father. And with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or grapevines produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. The implication here that James is getting at is, hey Christian, stop acting like who you're not and start acting like who you really are in Jesus Christ. And many times we can forget that. We can forget who we really are. We're a new creation in Christ. The old is gone, the new has come. And we can revert back to our old self, the old man that the Scripture says we still carry. And every time we curse our persecutors, speak evil or wish evil of them. That's exactly what we're doing. So I, I encourage us, as James did, to remember who we really are, our true identity, and to act in it. Because when we do, we will not curse those who are against us. We'll bless them. We'll be walking by the Spirit. Third uh, Christian responsibility for responding to enemies In these verses that we're looking at today. Is this. It's from verse 17. Never return bad for bad. It says in verse 17a. Repay no one evil for evil. So this is exactly what the guy in the diner did. When he ran over the three motorcycles. He repaid evil bad for bad. He he did something bad because something bad was done to Him. When something bad is done to us, God doesn't allow us to repay that with bad. So, this is a very serious thing to the Lord. This is in Scripture over and over again. And, you know, we tend to think of this in big ways, like running over the bikes, or like, you know, hunting down someone who killed a loved one, or... Um, you know, just really big things. But we need to think of maybe small things and apply this to our day-to-day lives. So it could be anything that you do in a subtle way to make your boss or your coworkers' life miserable. Because they're maybe out to get you, they falsely accused you, whatever, and you do something just in a very small, subtle way to make their life miserable or to make it hard for them. When we do that, we're returning bad for bad. Spouses, you might do that to your husband or your wife. I want us to think of this verse when we catch ourselves doing that because we're not allowed. We're not allowed to do it. So don't repay bad for bad. Rather, and this this is uh, from verse 17, and the fourth step, and this is actually the way to not do that, to not repay repay bad for bad, but give thought to what is honorable, that word just almost every time that this Greek word in the New Testament is translated good, so I'm going to say good here, because that's what it means. It's repay no one for evil, but give thought to what is good, what is good in the sight of all. What this means is just plan good. This is how we don't return bad for bad. I, I would call this premeditated goodness. It's giving forethought. Forethought is thought even before you, before you act, but maybe even before somebody does something to you, to, to be able to do something good to them. So this just means, this is how I would, I would paraphrase this, don't repay anyone bad for bad, but instead give forethought for doing good things to them in the sight of all people. Premeditated goodness. This morning in our Proverbs Bible study, we were talking about how King David wrote in the Psalms, he wrote, I have purposed in my heart not to let my mouth speak evil. So think about that. King David, he he didn't just kind of roll with it. And go with the flow and let the chips fall where they may. No, he, he had premeditated forethought that he was going to purpose and be intentional in his heart that he would not let his mouth speak evil. That is what this is calling us to do and more. It's not only that, but, and doing good to those who give us bad. This is, this is totally against our culture and against our grain. But this is what he's calling us to do. So here, here, would be, here would be an example of a way that this just... I have to take up my cross and deny myself. I'm thinking, I was thinking when I read this of like the bully in the schoolyard. You know, if it was up to me, and I'm telling my kids how to handle the bully in the schoolyard, if it's up to me, I'm going to say, you go up to that guy and you clock him square in the nose as hard as you can. And that will shut him up. But, see, we're not to submit to the lordship of Bob Mondorf. We're to submit to the lordship of Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ doesn't say to do that. He says to think about, give forethought to, something good that you can do for that bully in the schoolyard. This is just, this is something that we have to do. This isn't a choice. We're commanded to do this. And it's hard. But, We think of something good to do to people. And I don't want us to miss this. In the verse, it says, in the sight of all people. This isn't just like behind the scenes good. See, this is what the Lord was talking about in Matthew 5.16 when Jesus said, He said, in the same way let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. This is what Peter talked about in 1 Peter 2.12 when he said, Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, it's the same word, good, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. We don't have to really get into it, but just so you know, there are two words in the Greek for good, and one is kind of like intrinsic good, and the other is like good that is out on full display. This is that, this is that word. This is, this, God wants us to actually do good before the sight of all, so that they can give Him glory. I mean, this isn't the same thing as like, uh, in When Jesus talked about praying so men could see it so that you get glory, this is different. This is so that God gets glory. But this is a time when we're supposed to do good rather than to return bad for bad. So we have to give forethought to this. We have to be ready. We have to think about what are you going to do when that person at work treats you bad this week when you go in? This is where God calls us to get creative. And think of ways to really bless that person. Now, if you bake them a cake, don't put laxatives in it. But, you know, really do good to them. Okay? I don't know. You've got to get creative. You've got to think of this. On your own. This is, this is what we're called to do. So finally, we'll end with the fifth responsibility. Next week we'll pick it up. And I'll encourage you again at the end. But I, I encourage everyone to be here next week because this last part of the passage next week is where... I really get the faith to carry this out. I don't want you to miss that. But let's end it with the fifth thing today from verse 18. It says, If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. And This, this is a really comforting verse for us. This, this verse in a way lets us off the hook for that person who just isn't open to reason and they don't want to talk about it. And there isn't going to be peace in this relationship. There are going to be times like that. But there is in this verse, it doesn't totally let us off the hook, there, there is a responsibility for us in this verse. We have a part in this, and that is, number five, be the peacemaker. See, here's, here's what it means when that verse says, live peaceably with all. It, it most literally, this, this verb is an initiatory, ongoing verb. And and it could very well, and maybe more accurately, be translated, be bringing peace to all. Or be keeping peace with all. Or be cultivating peace. That's the sense that God intends for this live peaceably. It's like you're initiating it, And it's an ongoing tense that you're, you're continually trying to do this. Now, this doesn't mean that if the person, you know, doesn't want to talk about it anymore and they're getting upset, you don't nag them, you don't annoy them and call them every day and try to make peace. But you are, you are initiating it as much as possible, as the verse says. And so we have a responsibility in this verse, as the Lord said in, in Matthew, be the peacemaker. Blessed are the peacemakers. That's what this verse is calling us to do. As much as it is possible, we cultivate peace. Now, we, we want to always, this is our default, to, to be the peacemaker. But as it says, this isn't always possible. So, how do we, how do we know when, when it's not possible? Like, what does the scripture say about these times when we are off the hook? The impossible times. Well, primarily there are two that, that I've found in my studies, and there may be more. But here are the two times that we are off the hook for peace with people. One of them would be, it would come from Matthew chapter 10, verses 34 through 39. The Lord told us here that we're not going to be always at peace. He said, And whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. What's the Lord mean here? Well, He means that there will be times, there will be relationships where you have to choose between following Him at the, or following someone else's desires at the expense of peace. I read a story a while back, and I only remember details, but it's enough, about this um, young girl in the Middle East whose parents were uh, Muslims, and she became a Christian. And she knew that if she came out with this and, and made it public in her own home, that they would either kill her or just denounce her and not let her come there anymore. And she had to choose, am I going to follow the Lord or am I going to keep peace with my mom and dad? And she chose to follow the Lord and she told them, I'm a Christian. And they didn't kill her, but they did kick her out. They told her to never come back and they actually had a funeral for her and considered her dead. There was no peace there anymore. Now, this verse doesn't mean in that girl's situation that she's supposed to keep peace with them at all costs. Because this this passage that we just read showed us one of the ways that we're not to keep peace. And it's when someone comes between you and following the Lord, you may not be able to keep peace. If you can, do it, but never put people before the Lord Jesus. Here would be another way. Um, This would be another way that that, uh, peace isn't possible. It would be defending the lives of the weak. As Christians, God calls us many times in Scripture to defend the lives of the weak and helpless from their abusers. So, for example, in Psalm 82, God uh, rebuked people for not protecting the weak from the hand of the wicked. He said in verse 4 to them, because they weren't doing this, rescue the weak and needy. Deliver them from the hand of the wicked. Now, the Scriptures also tell us that whatever we do should be done in love, right? So if you men, let's say you walk home and you go in your house and there's someone in there hurting your children or your wife. There's a man in your house. He's hurting your wife and children. Okay, let all that I do be done in love. Who am I going to love? Am I going to love this guy that's hurting my family? Or am I going to love my family? And you got to weigh the cost. And the Scripture calls you to defend the weak And so I believe that God would call you as responsible husbands and men to do whatever it takes to stop that abuse, even if it's just grinding that guy into the pavement. I think that the Lord would call us to do that. We've got to defend our family. So we're not going to keep peace with some abuser that's hurting the weak. I don't believe the Lord calls us to that kind of pacifism. There are times when it's not going to be possible. These are two of them that i found in the Scriptures. There may be more, but our default mode should be to be at peace as much as possible with all people. All right, to close, just to end, two things I want to emphasize. One is this. You know as well as I do, we cannot do this on our own. The Bible tells us, and we're going to see this more next week, that Jesus Christ is our pattern in these, these responses to persecution and to evil. And in the same way that He's our pattern, He's our strength. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us, but what we need to do is we need to let Him control us by denying ourselves and giving Him total control, yielding to Him, when we're in the heat of the battle in these situations. Because if we don't, our emotions will take over and we will violate these commands. So that's the first thing I want to leave us with. We need to tap into the enabling grace of our Lord when we're in these situations. And the second thing I want to emphasize before I end is to come back next week, because it's in the last three verses that we're going to go through then, the last two points, that we will really get our faith built. To carry these things out. Listen, these people that do bad to us, they don't get away with it. It's just not our place to get even. So, we're going to see that more next week. The Lord, when we obey the Lord in these things, He actually takes vengeance for us. So, we can take it into our own hands, or we can do this His way and see Him take vengeance, and that's going to be righteous justice. So understand this, this, this message leaves us with probably many questions um, that weren't answered here. I'd, I'd be glad to talk to anyone this week or after the service if you have questions. But I think many will be answered next week. So let's, uh, let's stand. Let's have the band come up. We'll pray and ask the Lord to help us to carry this out, and then we'll end. Well, Father this is a passage where we really need to deny ourselves and take up our cross and follow You. And Lord, we know that You have already, Jesus Christ, forged the path and led the way in laying down Your life for us. Help us, give us the strength, Lord, to lay down our lives for You and to follow Your pattern here and to to draw from Your strength in doing it. And Lord, we we thank you for this challenge from your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.